Military Mom Talk Radio. We know behind every soldier, sailor, airman, and marine is the family supporting them. Now, in our 16th season, with over 500 episodes in 17 countries, we are Radio Strong. Now, here are your hosts, Sandra Beck and Robin Boyd. Hey everybody, this is Sandra Beck and I am here today with a wonderful author. Her name is Mary Kay Eater. You can find her on Amazon and she has got a couple books, but the book we're talking about today is The Girls Who Stepped Out of Line, Untold Stories of the Women Who Changed the Course of World War II. Now, I think that this is just a great topic because my dad and I, my dad's 89, we watch a lot of World War II history and memorabilia. And I'm always like, what about the fly girls, dad? There was women who did all this stuff. And I'm so glad that you wrote a book honoring, you know, these women because we were, women were an integral part of, of this war. They were. It was the first time that women were encouraged to join in large numbers, the military. Now, we can talk about the Rosies and all of the people in the factories and everyone who joined the workforce, but there were 350,000 women who joined the military during World War II in all of the services. And I am just thrilled to have been able to find some of their stories and share them because really what I thought was, why didn't I ever learn this in the Army? Why didn't I ever hear, hear these stories? And they're pretty significant for what they did, the impact they had, and the legacy they left for us all. Amazing. Amazing. I mean, I think of, you know, my Aunt Trish, and she was in, uh, I think she was in the Korean War. My dad was Korean War. And, um, you know, my neighbor is a Chozon Reservoir survivor. And, you know, we hear these stories. And, you know, like my Chozon Reservoir survivor neighbor is, he always talks about like how great the nurses were, how great were the women who took care of them. And I'm like, we see all these you know, flyboy movies, we see all these, you know, running into battle. Where are the stories for the women who served? Well, if you saw the movie Midway, there's one line in it where it says, yes, and the men decoded this message. There were 10,000 women in Washington, D.C., Army and Navy, who were the ones who broke the codes for the Japanese Navy, who broke the codes decoding the Nazi messages. They were the ones who did that. Wow. That see, these are the things that I think they need to be in more than one line, you know, in the movie Midway. But it's like, what is I've the seen hidden that in figures many books too? You know, the hidden figures movie that talks about, yes. you know, the the women scientists. My brother's at NASA, so that I'm a big fan of that movie. Um, but I think, you know, these stories. First of all, I'm glad that you've documented them so that they are part of our history. They're not dying. You know, we lose veterans, especially from World War II at an astronomical rate these days. So their stories die with them. And what was the impetus for you to get involved in these World War II stories? Because, you know, that's pretty obscure for for anyone, really. Really, it's just what you said. I had started to find and I know how this sounds. I read obituaries and I was reading the story about Stephanie Check, who had served with the OSS in World War II. She was an undercover counterintelligence agent. And I was like, why don't I know this? Right. So I'm reading her story in the Washington Post. And it was a great deal of it was about how she had never received an award for anything she'd done during the war. 
and it was presented at her funeral in 2017. Major General, I'm just going to jump in here for a second because now is a good time to thank our sponsor. And today's show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I want you guys to give online therapy a try at betterhelp.com slash militarymom and get on your way to being your best self. Now we're talking to retired Major General of the United States Army, Mary Kay Eater today. And she served as the Deputy Chief of the United States Army Reserve and the Deputy Chief of the United States Army Public Affairs prior to being appointed commanding general of the United States Army Reserve Joint and Special Troops Command. We're talking about unsung heroes, about people who don't get credit where credit deserves, and the stories that you're telling us about World War II and how these women were often only honored posthumously, you know, after they died. And this is really stressful for me, and it and it goes to this unsung hero of the military family. And I've benefited from therapy, and I'd like to share my experience about that because when you're stressed, when you're alone, when your spouse or partner or the parent of your child is on deployment, it's very, very stressful. And companies like BetterHelp are here to help. And they help me handle the loneliness, make the single parenting decisions. And I really like talking to Major General Mary Ader today because we have the opportunity as women today to support other women. And let's be honest, military life is hard. Whether you're serving, whether your family member serves, whether it's your child serving. It's a lot and there's a lot of emotion that goes along with this and a good licensed therapist can really make your life better. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, I encourage you to give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You just fill out a quick questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. So, you know, you really have a lot of options here. And if you want balance, if you want comfort, if you want direction, if you want just to have somebody to talk to, especially those outside the military community where you can really just let it rip and get the help you need, visit betterhelp.com slash militarymom today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash militarymom. Now we're talking today with retired Major General Mary Eater about these stories that she has found about women who served in World War II, and they were part of the greatest generation but weren't honored. So I talked about her at an event where I was speaking on leadership, and then I kept it. I kept the clipping, and I kept finding more stories as, as you said, the greatest generation is leaving us in ever greater numbers. And these stories are incredible. Um, Those who served in the resistance, who were some of them American citizens overseas, who fought And then there's the numbers who joined the military and that generation. Oh, no, I don't need to be recognized. I just just I just did my part. I did my bit. But we want to know about them because their impact is incredible. Mm -hmm. The women who broke the codes, as you said, Betty Robarts was one of those. And I got to talk with her and I said, oh, did you ever tell your kids what she did? And she said, oh, they never asked. And so it's asking the questions, but you have to know enough to ask the question rather than what did you do? Right. So I understand, Betty, you were at sugar camp in in Dayton, Ohio. So you helped build the machine that decoded the messages. And she said, that's right. You know, I was in college. I was a championship swimmer. I was tired of school. I was tired of swimming. And I told my dad I wanted to join the army. I wasn't old enough. 
So I thought I could join the Navy, but he had to sign for me. And my dad said, you're going to finish this, Betty. You've never finished anything in your life. Well, that sounded familiar to me. So it became one of the stories I wanted to tell. And she told me about the reunion they had in the 1990s at Dayton. And they were told then by the Navy's leadership, what you did helped end the war one to two years earlier than might have otherwise happened. So yes, they had an impact and they terrifically had a terrific legacy for all of us. An unsung. Unsung. Mm-hmm. But I understand that, you know, my dad's part of that generation. He's still alive. I care for him. He's going to be 90. My uncle Gary's 89 and they both serve my dad, Navy, my uncle Gary army. And when I try to talk to them about things, they're humble. They don't take any, they're not bragging both. So it's almost like pulling teeth. And it's not like we're pulling teeth because it was so traumatic or it was so, it's this kind of humble, I was doing my part. It's nothing special. However, it was very special. It was. And at that time, everyone who was alive at that time was affected by what happened during during the war years. No matter how old, no matter how young, they were impacted by everything that went on. Major General, I just want to jump in here for a second. You know, as we're talking to the Major General about her recent book, I'm struck by the fact that she combines a military career with creativity. And our sponsor today, KiwiCo, combines engineering and creativity in their make-it-yourself domino machine. Now, KiwiCo is defining the future of play by making it engaging, enriching, and seriously fun. And they create these super cool hands-on projects designed to create a lifelong love of learning with kids. And I mean, it is super fun for parents too. We did this make it yourself domino machine. It's one of the tinker crates and it helps us explore STEM as a family. And it was really fun. And as a parent, it can be hard to find creative ways to keep your kids busy, challenged and off their screens. And so KiwiCo does the legwork for you so you can spend quality time tackling these projects together. Everything comes in the box. The box comes in the mail. All you have to do is open it up and who doesn't love to get fun mail? So redefine learning with play, explore hands-on projects that build creative confidence and problem-solving skills with KiwiCo. Now I want you guys to get 50% off your first month plus free shipping on any crate line at KiwiCo.com slash military mom. That's 50% off your first month at KiwiCo, K-I-W-I-C-O, KiwiCo.com slash military mom. You'll be so glad you did. Now we're talking today with a major general about the story that were about women who served in World War II, part of the greatest generation. Mm-hmm. I read an article about a World War I historian who said, until we have all of the stories, we have an incomplete picture right. of that time. It's not just the politicians. It's not just the generals. It's not just the battles. It's every aspect of life. Right. Or the history books. You know, when I was so, I, you have to say, I was so frustrated. I live in Southern California, which is not exactly somewhere that reveres history unless it's movie history. And when I saw, you know, some of the things that my kids were given for World War II, it's like a paragraph in the history book. It's a two lines on the Holocaust. I'm like, you guys, you're half Jewish. You've got that whole lineage. Like, you know, and I had to take it upon myself to teach, you know, to to expose my kids to this, bring this information. But it is starting to reduce for this next generation. My kids are 16 and 19 now. 
It's a couple lines in a history book. It is because it seems that we go back further. We know much more about times way, way back before this. Which, and I think that's why so many in, in today's generations think World War II, wasn't that back there with the pyramids? Right. And Absolutely. in so many ways, it's yesterday. And everything that happened then has created where we are today. Right. Right. I mean, it's and it's very interesting to go what was a huge part of my life, you know, growing up, you know, I've seen every episode of Victory at Sea. I think there's 44 of them or something like that. And and, you know, that was a big part of my dad's life. And even now, as he's 89 and he sits in his room, he had a stroke last year. He watches all these World War Two documentaries and he'll tell me, you know, this is what we did then, Sam. This is what we did, you know, and but we have a lot of those stories are already in in you know like production you know we we see things like that and like that's why i feel it's so important that you documented a piece of history that that hasn't been documented by putting these stories together and some of it is just coming to light like the story about stephanie check and the oss mm -hmm. for many years all of these files were classified right she wasn't found until 2008 when the OSS files were declassified and a member of the OSS society, which is kind of like an alumni group. And by the way, that stands for the Office of Strategic Services, precursor to the CIA. Mm -hmm. So they were at the National Archives when the files were declassified, found her name, realized they lived right there in Alexandria, Virginia, and went to her house and said, are you Stephanie Check, who was? And she said, well, yeah. Well, yeah. And that's when she started going to the meetings and alumni groups and started telling her story. And many of them didn't talk about it for 20, 30, 50 years. Or ever. Or ever. Mm -hmm. It's the same, I think, with and with Charity Adams, that she didn't talk about her story or that of the 6888 Postal Battalion until, I don't know, the 80s, they started to meet and actually have reunions. And that was a long time. Yeah. And wasn't until 1996, I think, that there was a an event at the Postal Museum when President Clinton spoke with her as they honored this unit, the only all-female, all-African-American unit to deploy in World War II, and what they did to move the mail and increase the morale of all of the soldiers who were on the continent. Huge. Huge. That, that became a moment that then was a movement and it still continues. There's going to be a movie about them out this fall. It'll be on Netflix by oh, November. Oh, I'm excited for that, you know, because that's just such a, um, I mean, she, for those of you listening along at home, you know, we were talking about Charity Adams and she was a soldier and a community activist that served as the highest ranking black woman officer in World War II. So, you know, these are, when we talk about equality or at least, <laughs> You know, I don't even know equality sounds like such a dumb word to say in this, but, but, you know, there's a whole part of our history that's just completely forgotten. It is. I did an interview last summer with a woman who had taught at the Air Force Academy. Mm -hmm. And so we talked about the book and she said, you know, I've taught English at the Air Force Academy and I never once taught anything by or about women in the military. It just never occurred to me. And it doesn't occur to us that we're missing something because it's just absent. Right. 
So I had read a, a, a op-ed this last summer by a high school student who said, did women just not exist in the past? I mean, there's nothing about <laughs> I mean, them. They must not have been there. Right. Right. You know, or they're, you know, relegated to the role of children and, and animals, pets, owners, objects. They were all there. They were always all there. Right. And we just don't know it. Yeah, I mean, it is outstanding sometimes, like not outstanding in a good way. Um, you know, my my dad watches Hogan's Heroes, like every other, like, you know, 90 something out there. And my kids will come in and sit down and they'll look at, you know, they'll listen to Colonel Clink or they'll listen to Sergeant Schultz and, and they'll ask these questions. And I sit there going like, they have no concept of, of anything. And it's you know, we, not we forget fault. that. Huh? We forget that when we see a movie like The Longest Day, mm -hmm. which is John Wayne at the age of 55 playing a 28 year old battalion commander right. in this movie. And it's <laughs> about D-Day. And we watched this and I thought it was the longest movie I'd ever seen because it just <laughs> went on and on. Yes. But the original audience that saw that knew every part of the story. Yes. And that's what we forget is they knew all of the background. And so if they see a caricature like a sergeant. Schultz. Schultz or Colonel Klink. They understand the background, but for those who have no idea, it's all, that's the way it was. Right. Right. I mean, because one the other thing that I learned, um, having, living in a really multi-generational household going, you know, eight to 80 in my household, which is, you know, is a huge, right, is how much our, our sense of humor is driven by the culture and the events of the day because they'll make jokes in Hogan's Heroes that, or MASH, you know, my dad goes from Hogan's Heroes to MASH yeah. to Victory at Sea. And there's a noticeable like absence of women except for Margaret Houlihan and MASH. Right. And any of the jokes they make, today's generation doesn't get them because they don't have the cultural reference to go back to right to support it though i will say one like you know as we're talking like movies just because this is kind of cute my dad had a stroke last year he's going to be 90 and he um we were in burbank airport flying home to buffalo and who goes through the airport but loretta Swit? and my dad's like uh, there's hot lips even though she was much older you know he was like there's hot lips Houlihan, and um you know, it's interesting to go if we had to pick a woman <laughs> that represented military women. I know MASH was not World War II, but we have Rosie the Riveter, who literally represents World War II. When people think women in the military or women in World War II, Rosie the Riveter comes in, right? That's our that's our poster child. Well, then you go for whatever I think it was the Korean War was MASH was set in. And who's the poster child? Loretta Swit. It's just interesting to look at the role of women, especially in, in movies today. And, you know, I'm hopeful that, you know, books like yours will expand our consciousness so that we can, we can include things. I don't, I could bet you 10 bucks that there's not one mention of any woman contributing anything in my kids' history books. I'll bet you're right. Cause that's exactly what that other student found. And so she did a survey of her classmates and said, can you name anybody in history? And it was, uh, it was Eleanor Roosevelt or yeah. some tennis player. That was, that was as far as I got. Wow. You know, and I have, you know, there's a book that I did a show on, um, 
I've got the, it's a book by Keith O'Brien and it was fly girls, you know, how five daring women defied the odds. And, you know, it's, it's interesting to go. There's a whole unexplored genre, but the problem is the stories are dying with the people who live them. What I see now is a little bit of a trend where there's more stories about World War II and there seems to be quite a few of them. And there's also, I don't know why, but a whole series of fiction that is World War II romance. Yes, I see And I've that. seen quite a bit of that. Um, I wrote an article this last month about war women who were war correspondents because I had read an article in a military magazine hmm. that mentioned Martha Gellhorn in passing and no others. Now, wow. Martha Gellhorn was called by the Wall Street Journal the greatest war correspondent of the 20th century. Right. So when I tried to write a correction to the magazine, they said, oh, there were six others. I said, no, there's a book out about six famous women, but there were more than 250 accredited. So I sent them an email that had all 250. That's my girl. In the magazines and newspapers and radio stations they were affiliated with. And said, and by the way, there's more. And they kind of went, oh, is that so? Is that so? Interesting. But that's what Interesting. it takes is correcting the record where it goes. It goes, it, it lets the falsehood become truth for right. all time. Right. It does. I mean, when we, when we, well, it's, it's like a lie of omission, you know, <laughs> lie of omission, you know, we've omitted, you know, huge parts of this, you know, war effort. We omit these things because we don't think that they're valuable or the publishers don't think they're valuable or the, you know, the people who put these, these, you know, papers together and, you know, somebody has to advocate for, for our history. Well, you mentioned the fly girls. Mm -hmm. It's just like in the 1970s, the, there was an article about that came from the U.S. Air Force saying, now women are going to fly for the first time. And the WASP veterans stood up and said, oh, we don't think so. Right. We were told we would be commissioned in the Army Air Corps, and we were not. Mm -hmm. And then we were denied rights as veterans. Right. I, I do. And then we that. were denied the right to be buried in Arlington. <clears throat> so they, they, descended upon Washington. And I think a lot of that was resolved, but we still have a ways to go in telling their story too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so let's talk a little bit about your book. Um, how did you do your research? how did you find these ladies? Well, I, it's interesting that I had signed, I had signed the contract to write the book in January of 2020. Okay. They wanted the complete manuscript by May. I had written nothing. And then what happens in February? Right. The pandemic COVID begins. Is, right? Everything shuts down. So no museum will answer me. The Holocaust Museum can't answer me. The, right. the International Tennis Hall of Fame will not answer me. So I started buying books online, which was the best thing that could have happened oh. because it forced me to go back and find in their words. Because so many of them wrote autobiographies in 1948, 49. Nice. So I read their stories when and they were fresh. And were these fresh. at the Library of Congress? Like, where did you find them? On eBay. Oh. So I still have, I have a num, I have a great library now, and a number of books that will still have in the front of them the faceplate that says "Property of the Sioux City, Iowa Library." Oh, I love that. So, yeah. 
Ida and Louise Cook, the French, the French, the British sisters who rescued 26 families from certain death. I have their original autobiography. I have the same for uh, Charity Adams. I have her autobiography. And so I learned from that how she prepared herself for greater responsibilities and was ready to take on that command when it was offered. She went from second lieutenant to lieutenant colonel in four years. Wow. That's pretty amazing. That is hugely amazing. And then I also found Betty McIntosh's autobiography. It was called Undercover Girl. She wrote a number of other books later, but she was married three times. So I kept having to find them under different names. Oh, because she changed her name each time. Wow. Who would I can tell you that that first book, she would never get to publish that now because she talked everything about tactics, techniques, and procedures for following people, going undercover, doing interrogations. Right. Giving finally they told her they told her, You have a face like an open sandwich. You cannot do this. Right. Wow. I can imagine like if I was gonna paint your bookcase, I would have these women all standing there in their, you know, forties, fifties, they're all black and white, just standing there going, You gave us life. You made us part of I would hope so. I would hope so. And and that was a big part of the drive was wanting to do right by them. Yes. Because in reading some of these stories, I found things that were wrong or incorrect. Or they had been written by somebody who didn't understand military things. And then the nurses put up the tent. I'm going, this is a GP medium tent. It is heavy, right? heavy fabric. It takes 15 people all pulling at the same time for it to go up. Right. You want to talk about teaching a group of brand new nurses right out of college how to do this. And then they're going to end up doing it while they're being shelled and fired upon and mortared. And they're going to do it every 10 days as they move behind these armor and infantry units. No, you don't just say they put up the tent. No. And they're going to be pumped full of steroids. Like, you know, (laughs) who are your nurses? The incredible Hulk, like, like not possible. Oh, well, I, I thank you for taking the time and the effort and the um, respect that you've given to these women that serve. You know, it, it, it warms my heart as a woman who made her mark in technology, which was an all-male field in the beginning when I started. And I, I know that loneliness and I know I went by SJ for a long time because I didn't want anyone to know I was female. I was doing a lot of programming jobs remotely. Things would come in through email, through work boards, things like that. So if I just, you know, and they always would call me Scott or Steven. They're like, what's your name, Scott? SJ, Scott? And I'm like, no, it's actually Sandra Jean, which couldn't be any more, you know, feminine. But, you know, for any of us who've had to either shield who we are or be work twice as hard to get the same you know i found i had to work so hard to earn the respect i had to be 10 times smarter 10 times faster and somehow master all this and then take no credit for it has show no sort of pride or anything you know just in order to get a level of acceptance in that industry you know so i have my heart has a lot of compassion for our women who didn't ask for anything, but also when they didn't ask for anything, they got nothing. And you're rectifying that. I would like to continue that too. Yes. 
I love that. I love that. All right. So everybody needs to go ahead and get a copy of your book. And um, is it going to be, uh, is, is there going to be an audiobook version of it? There is an audiobook version and it is on Audible. Lovely, lovely. So we want to make sure, go ahead and give the title, your spelling of your name. And while you do that, I'm going to look up on Audible and see the price. It is called The Girls Who Stepped Out of Line, The Untold Stories of the Women Who Changed the Course of World War II. And, and certainly I have had discussions in bookstores with people who disagreed with that, but that was fun. Yeah, so was. my name is Mary, Mary spelled with an I, middle initial K, and my last name is Eder, E-D-E-R. And, and the I book came wanna, out in... Oh, go ahead. I just, when you give your name, can you also give your rank? Because that also is something very powerful. You're retired, but what are you? I am a retired major general in the United States Army. Oh, I love and that. And I understand the struggle very well. You do, and you are leading us into a next generation hardcover right now on amazon is 14.69 kindle is eight bucks you can go ahead and get it for audible audiobook for one credit who did the voiceover did you read your book yourself or did you have a voice artist the publisher did that it's an actress i don't know who it is Oh, then you're going to love it. You guys, if you loved what you heard today, go ahead and get your copy of The Girls Who Stepped Out of Line, Untold Stories of the Women Who Changed the Course of World War II by Major General Mari K. Eder. Thank you so much for being my guest today. I hope we do a couple more shows together. I think we will. We'll be back I think soon. we will. Yep, yeah. For another great episode. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to Military Mom Talk Radio. Want more information? Check us out at militarymomtalkradio.com or find us on iTunes for more than 500 free episodes. Drop us an email or find us on Facebook. We are looking forward to another great discussion. We hope you'll join us on Military Mom Talk Radio.